welcome to the Movie Journey Podcast, where we break down every film from the IMDb Top 250 list, giving our own thoughts and reviews and any general discussion along the way. My name is Daniel Henderson, the valiant, venerable, viscerous, ferocious voice on this voluptuous, vibrant evening. And I'm Dean Jeffrey, and I'm scared at how relevant this film is in 2020. And I must say, I was close to doing a sentence of V's like you, and I, having seen how your one went, I'm very glad that I chose not to. Because you couldn't have beat it. You would have done something terrible. You would have said the wrong words. What did you it would have been what did you describe as voluptuous? <laughs> this night. This night is voluptuous. How can a night be voluptuous? <laughs> <laughs> and if you haven't guessed from the V words, here we are breaking down V for vendetta. Yes, we are, Hendo. And what else are we doing today? Well, after the breakdown, we're going to take a look at some reviews you listeners have given to us. Our question of the week this week is, what is your favourite Natalie Portman performance? Which is our top five as usual. We'll find out who's won our competition there. We're going to take a look at the Pod Beef Pod 39 results between us and Topher from We Watched a Thing. See who won that one out. We're going to take a look at round five of our Tournament of Champions. See what the four matches are going to be between our eight winners here. And after all that, it is Dean's turn to pick a breakdown for next time. Anything in, anything in mind, Dean? Uh, well, we've done a lot of, like, very positive movies. Well, not positive. Movies I love. So, I'm going to try and pick something in the middle somewhere. Okay, fair enough. Now, a quick little announcement. We are doing a bit of a bit of a, a shift in our schedules here. A shuffle. Uh, a shuffle, yes. Now, obviously, we do our breakdown, and then the next week we do a pod v pod, and we go back and forth between these two varieties of our show. But we're, we're adding a bit more onto the breakdown side of things, aren't we, Dean? What do you mean we're adding more to the breakdown? Meaning we are doing more breakdowns than pod v pods. How did you not get that? Oh, yeah, I get that. I thought you were like saying that we're going to put more effort into our breakdowns, no. and I did not sign up for this, Hendo. <laughs> <laughs> I do the minimal amount work possible, thank you very much. Uh, yes, yeah, so we will be doing uh, three breakdowns and to every one pod v pod now instead of one for one. Yeah, so Pod V Pod will be a monthly thing now with our What Else We've Been Watching segment segment as a full monthly encapsulation of what we'd watched that whole month. And spoiler alert, we've had a, we've had a discussion uh, off mic that I am not going to be talking about every film I've watched uh, all the time because it's I, I don't want to hear 20 movies, 30 movies. We're not doing that. You really think you're going to be getting to 20 movies a month? You'll just get to your classic 10. You, did, you watched three last fortnight. You think you're going to get to 20? <laughs> I mean, at the moment in the COVID world we live in where there's fuck all coming out, no, no chance. But when things go back to normal, I ain't talking about everything. I'll give you a hot tip. We'll cross that. Uh, what's the fucking, what's this fucking saying? We'll cross the bridge when we come to it. Fence? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll get to that when we get to it. <laughs> I don't trust you. I fucking trust you. <laughs> I was like, hide my smile behind the pop filter. <laughs> I was like, yeah, fence. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we get into V for Vendetta, just a quick heads up that we will be spoiling it from the start of our breakdown. So if you haven't seen it, you've been warned. And with that being said, let's get into V for Vendetta. I wish I wasn't afraid all the time, but I am. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Those caught in violation of curfew will be prosecuted without leniency or exception. It's past curfew, you know. 
Gentlemen, I want this terrorist found, and I want him to understand what terror really means. We're working on several leads. Her parents were detained when she was 12. It was like those black bags erased them from the face of the earth. You have one chance. You must tell us the whereabouts of codename V. If our own government was responsible for the deaths of 100,000 people, you really want to know? <laughs> Those who are responsible will be held accountable. The time has come for you to live without fear. I'm ready. This country stands on the edge of oblivion. I Kill him. My turn. I suddenly had this feeling that everything was connected. We're all part of it. Are we ready for it? The only verdict is vengeance. So, V for Vendetta, the 2005 dystopian political thriller action film directed by James McTeague and written by the Wachowskis, based on the 1988 DC Comics limited series of the same name by Alan Moore and David Lloyd. The film centres on V, portrayed by Hugo Weaving, an anarchist and mass freedom fighter who attempts to ignite a revolution through elaborate terrorist acts, while Natalie Portman plays Evie, a young working class woman caught up in V's mission with a supporting cast including Stephen Fry, John Hurt, and Tim Bigot-Smith. Now, director James McTeague, do you know him from anything else, Dean? No, and I looked him up, and he's done fuck all, let's be honest. Yeah, absolutely nothing. The three films he's he's done that I actually have seen are Ninja Assassin, Survivor, this Pierce Brosnan non-James Bond action film, and Breaking In. All three were, I think, were terrible. I mean, how did he do this film? Do you reckon the Wachowskis were secretly directing it too? Probably. I mean, how does he come come out with a movie like this when you look at his other movies that he's made? Oh, The Invasion. I may have seen The is Invasion. A, is that a movie you should know? Uh, it's Nicole Kidman, Daniel Craig. It was a movie he did after V for Vendetta. Then they all realised he couldn't direct. So he did Ninja <laughs> Assassin. <laughs> So, the Wachowskis were huge fans of the original comic series. They actually wrote a draft for the script back in the 1990s before they worked on The Matrix. Yeah, I did see that. Hey, did you know that this director, what's his name? James... James McTeague. James McTeague was actually the assistant director on The Matrix Reloaded, The Matrix Revolutions, Speed Racer. I did know this. I'm sensing that he... He likes action films. I mean, he likes the Wachowskis. Yeah, yeah. Him and the Wachowskis have worked together a lot. As you can tell right there. Music by Dario Marianelli, who's been nominated three times for Pride and Prejudice, Anna Karenina, and he won for Atonement. Oh, wow. Mm. That is a great score. Cinematography by Adrian Biddle, who's got one nomination for Thelma and Louise. We've actually spoken about him a couple of times, obviously on our Thelma and Louise episode. He also did the score for Aliens, The Princess Bride, and The Mummy. Some classics there. And The Princess Bride. <laughs> Why are you so mean? What did the Princess Bride ever do to you? <laughs> Not a lot. 
So the original comic series was originally created by Alan Moore. However, following his negative experience with the films From Hell and The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Moore decided to reject all money and credit from Hollywood on any adaptations of his work. Thus, he gave all his money he would have gotten to the artist who drew the character with him and rejected his own created by credit from the movie. I wish I was so rich that I could just say no to money and yeah. like having done no work. They're not asking him to do more work. They're just like, hey, we're using this. Here's some money. He's like, nah, I don't want it. It's like, are you serious? <laughs> and it's not like he saying, oh, I don't want to be credited for this. People will go see V for Vendetta, realize or find out that it's a graphic novel and then go see the book. Like, oh, it's done by this Alan Moore guy. At least I know that now. Yeah, but no, he was he was furious with not just so. Obviously, he did have the bad experiences, as you said, with From Hell and uh, Extraordinary Gentleman. But he was so angry with what they actually did in this film compared to his graphic novel as well. And having done some light research, the changes <laughs> are extreme. Like, there's a lot different here. Like what? Well, V is much less uh, portrayed as a you know a hero and much more as a murderous terrorist and the government actually seems to be not as evil if that's the right word here also evie is like a a 16 year old illiterate prostitute okay so so it sounds like some of these changes were for the better uh what's his name dietrich he is not a homosexual he is evie's lover bear in mind she's 16 uh and he's sort of is in support to some degree of the government Okay. Interesting changes, I must say. Also, Sutler, his name was changed because apparently it sounds more like Hitler now. But in the novel, he was a timid man who would make a lot of the important decisions by consoling with something called fate, which is like a supercomputer. What? Ah. Man, I'm glad they took all this shit out. What do you mean, what? Am I telling you stuff you don't already know? Do your fucking research, (laughs) Hendo. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Listen to you. <laughs> See, I come, I come in with the casting choices and the budget and and the box office. I feel like I'm always much more interested in the source material than the actual film research. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll tell you all the differences between the movie and the books or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and then I come in with the box office. You're like, what? You might get excited over who was originally cast or originally auditioned for the role of Evie. Uh, probably not actually. Bryce Dallas Howard. Do you think I'm a big Bryce Dallas Howard fan? Scarlett Johansson. Ugh. Kira Knightley. I mean, she looks so much like Natalie Portman. Didn't she like, wasn't she her doppelganger in the Star Wars film? Yeah, double. Not doppelganger, but yeah. It's the same thing. Well, literally. <laughs> <laughs> So, all of V's dialogue was dubbed in the film. Initially, there was a mask that was designed with a small microphone inside it, and another mic was designed to sit along Hugo Weaving's hairline, but neither of them worked really well, so they just decided to dub it in post-production. Did you see that uh, the orig- Hugo Weaving wasn't the original actor to play V in the film? It was James Purifoy. Yeah. Do you know him from Rome? No. Yeah, he plays Mark Antony in Rome, so I do like him, but... Hugo Weaving just has one of the all-time great voices, so, man, I'm glad it went to Weaving. There's definitely some times during this film where I could just hear Agent Smith, just the way he was talking, especially the scene he when- He says virus. He's- <laughs> like a virus. virus. <laughs> I was saying, especially the scene where he's interrogating her and you can't see his face, and you can hear that Agent Smith coming out, and I'm like, yeah, you're not trying to hide, you're not, you're not fooling anyone that this isn't you right now, V. I mean, he fooled me. 
No, he didn't. I mean, the first time I saw it, for sure. What? Are you serious? Man. All right, let's 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 get to that later. I thought that was V the whole time. And yeah, we'll get to that. You're going to blow your mind that I thought that was V the whole time, yet I couldn't tell that Harvey Dent was Two-Face. You are an idiot. <laughs> yeah, so like you said, James Purifoy was the original V here, but Hugo Weaving did take over the role about four weeks into the filming. The voice of Hugo Weaving was uh, dubbed over a couple of Purifoy's scenes in the film. They never actually went back and shot it with uh, Hugo Weaving. They just kept his role in and just Why put Hugo you? Weaving's voice over it. Oh, exactly. Uh, James McTee said in an interview, can I tell the difference? Yes. Can the audience tell? I doubt it. And it makes perfect sense. Yeah, you'd never be able to tell which scenes are which. You could have had someone, you could have had a random person in there and just get Hugo Weaving's voice in it at the end. Yeah, put bloody David Prowse in there. Who's David Prowse? He uh, played the body of Darth Vader. Okay, might be a bit too tall for this. <laughs> That's, uh, yep, not really my point, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, the mask of V is uh, Guy Fawkes. Do you know who this guy is? Did you do your research on Guy Fawkes? No, I actually didn't. Oh, well, do he- your fucking research, would you? <laughs> He blew up some parliament building. He was famous for his invo- involvement did in he the fail? gunpowder plot. The gunpowder plot of 1605. When was, he was it? Placed in char- 1605. I just can't remember, that's all. He was placed in charge of executing due to his military and explosive experience. The plot who was, that, was mas- that was masterminded by Robert Catesby was a failed attempt by a group of provincial English Roman Catholic conspirators to kill King James I of England. His family and most of the Protestant, I don't know how to say this word, aristocracy. <laughs> I know I'm going to say it wrong. And most of the Protestant aristocracy in one swoop by blowing up the Houses of Parliament during its state opening. I can't even remember what I said that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I just I was I was like staring for the screen when I read that. Stop reading so much. I wanted to know who Guy Fawkes was. It's one of the it's one of these movies that has so much like backstory about all this bullshit. There's other ones that don't have these paragraphs of describing what this was about. So there are several models of some London buildings here. You got the old Bailey, the clock tower, and the Houses of Parliament. They were built at about one tenth of the scale, and together it took about twenty people ten weeks to build them. I have some one ten uh, statues. Batman. Yeah, and uh, Harvey Dent, Two Face, Riddler, Harley Quinn. Are they two different people? I don't have the Joker for some reason. I got what? Robin. Robin. You have you have Robin, but you don't have the Joker. Got Scarecrow. Kind of Batman fan, are you? Got Penguin. Danny He's- DeVito Penguin. I mean, he's short and fat. <laughs> Could very well be. But this was released on the 17th of March in 2006 with a runtime of 132 minutes with the tagline of people should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Honestly, I'd prefer remember, remember the 5th of November. That is the uh, that is the substitute tagline here. Remember, remember, remember the fifth of November, the gunpowder treason and plot. I know of no reason oh, why the gunpowder treason should ever be forgotten. I know it's, you don't <laughs> why need do you keep all going? that. Just remember, remember the fifth of November. Dot dot dot. Yep. Mic drop. What about what about an uncompromising vision of the future from the creators of the Matrix trilogy? They should have just said from the creators of the Matrix. Don't say trilogy. You just say the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> From the visionary mind that bought you the Matrix Revolutions. <laughs> so, Budget of $54 million and worldwide grossed $132 million. So it made a little bit of money back. No Oscar love, though, that year. Zero nominations for V for Vendetta. 
It's a shame. But let's look at some scores here. Rotten Tomatoes. The critics give it 73%, staying visually stunning and thought-provoking. V for Vendetta's political pronouncements may rile some, but its story and impressive set pieces will nevertheless entertain. Rotten Tomatoes audience give it a 90%. Metacritic give it a 62%. Letterboxd with a 3.8. But let's take a look at V for Vendetta in the IMDb Top 250 history. This wasn't one of those films that debuted high and and went down lower and lower as it went along. It actually got into the list early 2006 at number 237. And then got better? I have no idea where this sits in, in there now. It got better over the, the next year. It ended up peaking at roughly about 116, and then it dropped down a little bit more, and then just started like basically becoming a very small wavy line up until about now. So where it currently sits at 155, with an 8.1 over 1 million votes. So it's it's pretty well entrenched. You'd think it's not going yeah. anywhere anytime soon. No, it's not, it's not going to go anywhere. If it's been sitting there for 14 years, roughly in the same area, I don't see it dropping randomly for no reason now. Especially with a million votes, I mean that's going to take a. You know, a lot of zeros to get it out of this list. Yeah, and why would you at this point? But this is a patron-requested review, and it comes to us from our awesome patron, Brother Shane. So thank you very much for this pick, Brother Shane. Yes, thank you, Shane. Do you think there is any reason why he chose this now, Hendo? I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in this film that relates to what's happening in the world right now. Would you say it's a coincidence? What, did he pick this at the same time as what's happening now. I don't think it's a coincidence. I think mm. he, I think there's uh, some uh, method behind the madness of Brother Shane. Well, it was bound to happen eventually. <laughs> All right. Why don't we get into it, Dean? Do you know how excited I got when I saw DC? Words can't even describe it, I imagine. Were you, you, like, were you surprised? Like, Holy <laughs> shit! <laughs> were you surprised when it was DC? <laughs> Honestly, I didn't even see it. Wow. Why would I even care? Why would I even care? Maybe if I saw DC, I might have turned it off. I don't know, because we're breaking down this film and you should be at least watching the TV while it's on. Why should I be watching the the names of the companies that come up? I'm waiting for them to say, remember, remember the 5th of November. No, you're not. I'm like, that's what he says. That's the line from the movie. I love that. (laughs) Even though it's not him that says it, it's Evie. It is. It is. The uh, opening narration by Evie, which is good. I I love this intro here. Uh, I feel like it tells us so much information about not just the history behind V and what he's about, but it also just puts us smack bang into what's happening, you know, in the current world and the main themes that we're going to be, you know, visiting here in regards to, you know, overthrowing government, I guess. Definitely. Everything you see in this spot here definitely correlates to what is about to happen in the I guess the uh, the modern time in the in the film. Yeah, and they brought they bring up the notion of ideas a lot, and that you know you can't kill an idea because there's yeah there's power to them. Very symbolic, I must say, of Batman in Batman Begins. Yeah, this came out. Oh, this came out at same year, same time. Interesting. Very interesting. Hmm. Another DC film, eh? <gasps> Do you know anything about like V for Vendetta and that based off the DC comics? No. You haven't read it? You haven't read any graphic novels, anything like that? I mean, there's only one, I believe. And no, I haven't read the graphic novel. No. Would you want to? I feel like if I did want to, I would have by now. Fair enough. Would you get a V statue? I mean, I really exclusively only deal in Batman uh, and Batman related products. So, probably not. Why would I? Would you watch the DC animated DC Heroes Batman VV? Of course. I think the <laughs> I think the name needs some work though. 
What about VVEV? VVEV. I think it'd be better yeah. if it was EVVV. E15. <laughs> oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> oh, sorry, you had to think about that one. <laughs> anyway, I like the parallels here of you see V and EV. Batman. Oh, like, yep. <laughs> basically, getting ready on the night as they're watching the TV of Prothero having his rant here, as he is prone to do. Do you like the correlations of our two main leads here as they get ready on their night? I think it's great. I love the way that they're both putting their masks on, so to speak, you know, like you've got mm. V literally putting a mask on, but then you got Evie, you know, she's doing her makeup, she's putting on her face for this this weird date that she's going on. Like, I know why Dietrich is organising this date. What does Evie think is happening here? I'm not sure what she's thinking. She knows she's breaking curfew, so she's, uh, she's doing a bit of rule breaking here. Yeah, I, d- I don't know. It was... Uh, it's a little odd, but yeah, the the transition between the two as well, having like the tracking shot move between one room into the other was great. Uh, definitely, yeah. definitely a lot of parallels there. Ah, very well set up here. But uh, old Evie, she's out on the night, and she she gets caught by some uh, fingermen. Some fingermen. How disgusting is that title? Uh, do you know why they're called the fingermen? Uh, yes, because is it that the the government is basically a, a a human form with Sutler yes. as the head, I guess. Prothero's yep. the mouth. You've got the uh, surveillance, which is the eyes and ears. You've got Mr. Finch, which is the nose. You've got Creedy as the hands and as an extension of that. The fingerman. That's not bad. That's I'm pretty happy, good. I'm you happy got, I remember that. You got, you got that, that spot on. <laughs> Let's see we'll, we'll add that in for a Pod V Pod question one time. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, they're they're dirty bastards here. They uh they don't care. Yeah, and I fi- I found it amusing that you know Evie was very much uh very aggressive with them to a to a point, and then when she realizes they're fingermen, she's like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. Like, what does that mean? Does that mean she's gonna let herself be attacked because they're fingermen? Like they were gonna attack her, and she's sort of like, ah, oh, don't you know, start yelling at maybe- her. I don't think that she thinks they're going to attack her straight away. Once they re- once she finds out they're fingermen, she thinks that you know they're the law. They they just you know uh, out to say you're breaking curfew. You you know you're fined or you whatever it is. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's after that when they when she realizes, hey, they they're still after me. That's when she realizes, oh shit, I'm I'm in a desperate situation here. Yeah, and it is. I wonder if this line is pulled straight from the graphic novel of. Yeah, spare the rod, spoil the child, where she is actually a child. Whereas in this, she's not. Could very well be. I feel like I've heard that before from somewhere, though. I can't think of where it was from, though. But it does sound like something that would be in the graphic novel. Oh, so it wasn't from that time you read the graphic novel? I didn't read the graphic novel. When do I read? (laughs) This is true. (laughs) You've already proven how bad you are at reading. (laughs) No, but up pops V. Yes. Thank God this is the only time he does a big monologue with lots of E-words. Because I didn't know what the hell he was saying here. Oh, I love this. I'm so glad that he stopped after this one. Really? I mean, yeah, I was watching it'd be it ridiculous. Like, wait, wait, wait. Back, 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 back that up. Let's get the subtitles going, shall we? Wow. Uh, and I still th- didn't know what he said. This intro was close to being my excellent. I, th- I think this is an amazing intro to V. I'm not saying it's bad. I just didn't know what he was saying. His, his, his conviction and the way he presents himself uh, coming up with the, the music and, and how everyone's reacting to him, I think it's great. I just didn't know what he was saying. Fair enough. Uh, Did you know what he was saying? Oh, yeah, totally. But I think that 
What I love about Side-step V, that one. What I love about V is how much personality he has. Like he doesn't just take anything for granted. Like when Evie asks, you know, who are you? He starts talking about the philosophy of someone wearing a mask and how ridiculous it is to ask them that. Like that's funny stuff. He's a funny character despite being what is he? Intimidating? No. Violent. I don't think he, he's I think he's both at times. Yeah, it depends who you are. He's not intimidating to Evie, but definitely to, you know, the law. It just shows the the strength of Hugo Weaving's voice performance coupled with the way he the way he emotes with his hands and his body gestures. Like he he's wearing a mask the entire time, but you get a lot of emotion and what you could you can understand where he's coming from and different emotions he's saying different emotions that are coming out of him based off what he's saying and how he presents himself. Yeah. Did you read that in the graphic novel, the illustrators actually subtly changed uh, the Guy Fawkes mask depending on mood? And they did toy with doing that in this film, but decided against it. Really? Like, how would they change it? Like, a, the smile would change? Sad yeah. face? Yeah. I mean, I mean I, no, that's not subtle to go from a giant smile to a sad <laughs> face. Big grin. <laughs> <laughs> Winky guy, Fork's face. Maybe. So, obviously, we just mentioned the big monologue with lots of V words. There was 48 V words. Oh, I counted 49. You did not count 49. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't. There's no way you went back and counted that. 49, Hendo. Look it up. I did. 48. Evie's pretty funny here. Are you like a crazy person? <laughs> <laughs> but no, they head up to the rooftop here. And it's all nice and nice and calm. Got classical music playing. He's conducting an orchestra here. First the overture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she's like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> then comes the strings. The brass. Yeah. She's like, oh, my God, I hear it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he blows up the old Bailey. Yeah. Fireworks, everything. Do you know what the old Bailey is, Hendo? I don't. Yeah, me neither. I was hoping you would. No, I don't. It is our first introduction to Sutler, John Hurt, his big face on the big screen. Yeah, he's the, you know, all-powerful overlord, basically. Pretty much. And he's great in this role. Oh, yeah. He's very menacing and clearly he's very powerful. And it definitely helps that basically all you see of him is this giant head overseeing, like, your other other police, like your, your Creedy... Everyone you know is investigating V. They are in that room at that same time, basically staring up at a giant head of Sutler. Yeah, he is yeah, entirely encompassing. But I do love the role of the media in this film and the way they managed to, to change the narrative to best suit them. Like having this Bailey explode, they say, you know, she was, un- you know, I want all these experts coming out saying she was unstable and they had to do it. And, you know, yep. it's. You know, and on a positive note, uh, we got fireworks last night. It's like, fuck off. <gasps> it's it's very true to news in general, where everything gets spun to give the perception of what they want you to know. Mm. That's why I try and stay from a lot of stay away from a lot of news. Do you realize, like, a lot of news, like quote unquote news, it's all negative. Everything is negative, and then it finishes off with one little happy fluff piece at the end. Do I realise that news is negative? Yeah, I've, most I've, of it. I've noticed, Hendo. Every time I get on the radio, every, I get on the radio. What are you talking about? Every time I listen to the radio, it's like, oh, time for the news update: murder, violence, uh, death, bad, bad. Oh, and some celebrity made a cake. There's more news on that. Like what? <laughs> made a cake, eh? Yeah, they I made a cake. I don't think that's ever happened. <laughs> Celebrities making cakes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, so we find out Evie works at 
the uh, the TV station here. Yeah, the BTN. Yes, it's a it's a it's a coincidence, isn't it, that V shows up at the place she works. He's he's not going to see her. He's going to do the broadcast. How have you not learnt that there are no coincidences in this film, Hendo? They literally tell I, us about ten times. I feel like this is a big coincidence. I don't think he realise he doesn't realise that she's there. No, no, no. He doesn't realise, but it's not a coincidence. It's fate, Hendo. Oh, like the supercomputer. Is it? <laughs> so it's fate that uh, because the cops had found out who Evie was and where she worked, they just happened to show up at the same time. Well, that's why he says to him, like, "Gee, I, I didn't expect you guys to be here so quickly." <laughs> it's almost as though you were already here. Yeah, but this is the first of I don't know if it's several. I think it's maybe two times that he uh, mails in a bunch of masks for everyone to wear. Yeah, which is very, a brilliant move. Yeah, it's very clever. Very uh, Inside Man esque. Yes, got the which bomb came strapped out in the same year, I believe. I think Inside Man came out two thousand six. Now I'm going to look it up. Yep, that's right. You're going to look it up. V for Vendetta came out in Australia. 30th of oh. March, 2006. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, because I remember seeing them very close together. Oh, I know you're changing it to Australia date. Pretty sure I said at the start of this, V for Vendetta is a 2005 dystopian film. Yeah, I know, but for me it's not. It's a 2006 film. But V's got a bomb strapped to him. Now, obviously this doesn't, this doesn't go off. Do you think he planned to ever have this go off? No. Why would he want that? Exactly. Then he can't I wasn't complete too- his thing. Yeah, but I don't think they ever acknowledge that the bomb was a fake. I feel like they cut the cord it, and it goes to zero and that was the end of it. I mean, there's a chance that the bomb would have gone off. That wouldn't ruin his plan. But when him, Maybe it's like a very, very minor bomb. I mean, it didn't look minor, but him presenting himself as like a suicide bomb, bomber sort of guy, I don't think he ever would have done that. No. How good was that concrete filler machine he had? Yeah, that was good. Good, yeah, uh, I thought that, good, yeah. good filming technique. Yeah, like in the wall as it fills up. That was good. But no, V gets on TV here. He's, he's got something to say here to the entire British population, essentially, saying, get get behind, get out of the shadows of your government, stand up against your parliament. One year from now, I'll be back. We'll blow up. Does he say he's going to blow up the House of Parliament or he just says he's going to blow up something else? No, I think it's House of Parliament because everyone knows yeah. to go to the same spot. Yeah, no, fair enough. He's trying to get them to rally. Like he wants people to stand up to the corrupt government. We We have a voice. Use it. Yeah, and he blames he blames everyone though. He's like, yeah, you, you know, in truth, if you want to see who's really to blame, you need only to look in a mirror, which is, you know, it's true. Like, you got to have the people have the power. So, you know, they were caught up in the fear that you know Sutler was selling them. That's right. But Evie does help V escape here. She definitely does it on the fly. This isn't premeditated. She's she's still deciding whether or not she should have done it or not. Yeah, and then you've got, oh, what I love is that Evie has this political backstory. You know, she's not some random girl with no history. Like, her parents were political activists. Yeah, oh, you need that with Evie, that she has she has some sort of, like, she has a leg to stand on with it. She, she has a say in this matter. And you also need her to have nothing tying her back to her past life as well. Yeah, she needs to be by herself. Yeah. But like you said before, the news, like, spinning it in their own way. They, because they shot down one of those masked people, they, they treat it like, yeah, that's V, we killed him. You guys don't need to do that big stand-up and rally that he was trying to say. It's not happening. Don't don't listen to that guy. He's dead. Just stay where you are and don't do anything. Mind control. Ah, that's what they do. But now we, we get some more Finch here watching the surveillance tape, and I do like this shot of V just looking at Evie 
And it's like he's deciding what to do with her. Because they know, if, it, or at least V knows as well, that if he leaves her, she'll go into one of Creedy's bags and likely never, yeah. you know, never come out again. So, so he's got to take her. Yeah, I think it's fair he made the right call. Yeah, absolutely. But she doesn't seem to think so because uh, she needs to stay in V's little underground lair for the next year. It's a long time to be- It is. You know, imprisoned. Essentially, yeah. Well, she can't leave. Like, the only way she leaves eventually is by tricking V, which is ridiculous in itself. Like, that scene where she goes to see the priest, why is she telling this guy who, yeah. you know, is clearly a pedophile that someone's yeah, she, coming it takes, to kill him? Like, yeah. She really let him. she really <laughs> believes in this priest for a while. Like, she really tries to talk to him, like, no, no, you don't understand. Like, we need to get out of here. It takes her forever to be like, oh, okay. And even after that, she still doesn't think V's in the right. It's like they're both wrong. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe she doesn't have the strength at this point to actually do something about it. Yeah, true. But this isn't just about rising up against the government and being in control of your your fate or destiny. V has a vendetta. Makes sense, doesn't it? Because of the V. And the name of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 that too. Uh, V for vendetta. Yeah. I never put that together. <laughs> the light bulb just in his mouth. Oh my oh, yeah. god! <laughs> That's what it meant. <laughs> never really gave the title any thought. <laughs> yeah, so he he takes down Prothero here. This this guy, this loud mouth. Like he's just a guy. What is he? A guy on TV just talking his mind and right at the camera, just spurting out shit. It's not at the camera. He's reciting it to himself. No, no, he's a guy on TV who's like basically just talking to the camera, talking to the audience about his views on everything. Agar was a shot of V in the black mirror in the shower. That was good. That was really good. And I like that these people have some idea who it is already. Like even Prothero here, he's like, so it is you. Like they know. Does he know that before he mentions something? Doesn't he have to mention a little bit about his past before he realizes who it is? I think he mentions Larkhill Detention Center and Prothero says you, so it is you. Yeah, but he has to mention that first. It's not like he came in and goes, oh, it is you. Well, Because at that point, when he, when he mentions disguise, Larkhill, we got, we, so, got no, we got no idea who it is. Yeah, but he's in disguise. Obviously, he's got to say something. And it's not like, oh, it's you. It's, yeah, it can, it, it's more confirming what he already thought it could be. Yeah. How uh, how much of an ego does this guy have to have to have three TV screens in his shower, all with him on it? Yeah, it's it's odd. It, it is odd. What is even more odd, though, is that little Evie Hammond, who we see getting coffees for people at this television network, her ID card accesses <laughs> Commander Prothero's private residence. Come on. Maybe he programmed it for her to come up and give him a visit every once in a while. Well, she is a prostitute. <laughs> And he's a, he's a, I'm assuming he's a dirty old bastard. Uh, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Oh, we haven't, we haven't mentioned that before in the scene when he was making her the egg, like you see, he's like, dest- like burnt, destroyed hands as well. Yeah, his bright red hands, which we will yeah. never see again. But it is implying that he is completely burnt. Yeah. And we find out here with Prothero, this is what's happened. Previous commander of the detention center, V was obviously there, tortured. And then you see that sort of, uh, that shot of like the phoenix in the in the flame standing there over everyone. The phoenix, yeah, I did read yeah. about this this uh, stunt man. He actually did walk through fire with all the you know freezer or freeze gel covering him in a g string, no less. Do you feel like there's a little bit of bit of Deadpool here? I mean, I just think so little about Deadpool that it would never have occurred to me. 
I feel like I got a little bit of Deadpool here because of the whole the whole burnt, entirely burnt body uh, coming out of the flames. Especially there's a, there is a little bit of a degree of V sort of can take some damage, some bullets. Like that, coming up in that scene at the end, he gets shot a lot, and it's not all from bulletproof stuff. He gets shot a ton, and he manages to persevere and take out a whole team of people. And I feel like that has a lot to do with the experiments they were doing on him during this detention center and all the torture well, they, he was given. They're experimenting they do, on him. They do say that he has. Like superhuman blood, he is basically yeah. a a superhero in this world. Yeah, and I, I got I got a, a bit of a Deadpool vibe there, so I feel like Deadpool has a little bit of a inspiration from V. Yeah, maybe. Is that Marvel stealing from DC? Wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> Here comes Dean with his rant. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting for you to say that forever. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but here comes fake news again, telling uh, everyone that Prothero died of a heart attack. Just a just an old heart attack. Don't worry. There's there's nothing to worry about. Yeah, and you've got this side quest of the two cops here, Finch and the other guy. Do you know the other guy's yep. name? I think he was credited as the other guy. Brilliant. Mark Wahlberg is not in this film, Hendo. Uh, but they they're researching Prothero, and they're saying he's one of the richest men in London before he even got on this network. And they mentioned Vidoxic Pharmaceutical is how he gets all his money. Of course, it has to start with V. I mean, it's no coincidence, Hendo. <laughs> Are you going to tell me in the end it's all fate? What do you mean? Well, it's not fate anymore, it's fate. <laughs> no, 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 I got it. <laughs> no, did you? <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> now, it was funny seeing V fake fight this suit of armor to the oh, doing his old Monte, uh, Monte Cristo. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. That was pretty good. But Evie, when she finishes this movie with V, she said she feels sorry for Mercedes because he cared more about revenge than he did about her. Not very subtle foreshadowing here, is it? Absolutely not. It's here where we basically get a little bit more backstory about Evie here, a bit more about her family, how her brother died, you know, her folks were political, they all got black bagged. She never saw them ever again. It's it's you know tragic story for Evie here. And like you said that before, like she she we need this here to get a bit more sympathetic for her, understand her backstory, her beliefs. But who we got here? We've got Vendetta number two. We've got Father Lilliman, this dirty old pedo. He definitely gets what's coming to him. I think this is more about Evie and V and the struggles they're having with their relationship at the moment too. Because it just seems like V at this point V's basically just using her. Is he? I feel like he is. I mean, she came to him saying, I want to help. What can I do to help? I don't while being while being trapped, while being in prison. I mean, I know she is, but she under she well, he would hope that she understands why. Because but if she's asking, I want I want to help and immediately turns on him, is she really like did she mean to help or is she just trying to like get out oh, of it? Oh no, she absolutely did not mean to help. But yeah, I, yeah. No, she obviously was never going to help him. She always wanted to just get away so she could go and stay with Dietrich. Overall, do you think V is smart or crazy or both? I don't think he's crazy. I think he's very smart. He's well-educated. He's into the arts. He's a great fighter. He's from DC. He's from DC. <laughs> That's the big one. No, I mean, I don't think, I mean, would anyone be saying he's crazy? Well, a lot of people in this movie do, including Evie at certain points. Yeah, but not at the end. Not but are we she- supposed to think about him from the start as 
I guess, obviously, we think of him as the hero here, but... I think you're confusing crazy with eccentric. Mm, okay, I can understand that. I mean, he's very aware of what's happening. He's super organized and planned everything out. Like, his plans are, you know, he said he's been, what, fixing the rail for 10 years, was it? Or was it one year? Don't know. Yeah, we'll get to that. But this is someone who has a plan who he is enacting. This is a crazy, you know, quote-unquote crazy person does not be so organized and methodical. Tell that to the Joker. What? Joker's crazy. <laughs> is he? I'm pretty sure yes. we realize that he's he's not. I'm not crazy. Oh, I'm not. All right. <laughs> Let's get back to V. <laughs> What do you make of Stephen Fry in this film? Do you know Stephen Fry from anything else? I don't think so. I think I only know him from this, but now I know who it is. Like, does he do a lot of audiobooks? I think he does. He's definitely got that audiobook voice. Yeah. It's weird. I, I, even before this, I couldn't name Stephen Fry in anything, but if I saw him, I knew immediately who it is. Like, I didn't know him from this film, but I just feel like I, I see him everywhere. In what, though? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, let's go down the IMDb, ra- IMDb rabbit hole. Yeah, Stephen Fry uh, does the audiobooks for Harry Potter. He looks like he should have been in Harry Potter. He, he would have made a good Hagrid. A good Hagrid? Yeah, I could see that. He's warm and friendly. And British. Wow, well, I, couldn't, I couldn't name a single thing I've seen him in. Except for this. Well, there you go. Yes. Just goes to show you how massive an impact he has in this movie. That is true. I feel like obviously Evie goes to him because this is like the safe route. They're like he, she's known him for a very long time. She feels like she can confide in him, and she finds out that he's just he's essentially another version of V. Another version of V. Yeah, he's not. He isn't V. How funny is the bit where he says he is though? <laughs> yeah, that is good. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, think the similarities. Like no, I think the similarities between them are large. For sure. Oh, massive. He's even got that great line. You wear a mask for so long, you forget who you were beneath it. It's very good. It's a lot of really good quotes in this film. Maybe not like quotable in a sense that you'd use them day to day, but there's so many stuff that's so well, you just feel like it's really well written. Yeah, you hear the quote and you're like, yeah, yeah, that's good. I like that. Let's write it down. Who's next on the list here? Diana Stanton, the coroner. I felt like, I honestly, I've seen this once before. I don't. I didn't remember too much of the stuff in between. I remember the stuff blowing up. I remember the shaved head. I remember the mask. I don't remember anything in between. So when they had a bit of a focus on this coroner before we found out that she was the next person, I kind of felt like she was about to play a big part. It's not that big. She's in and out pretty quick. But yeah, I do like her death though. Yeah, you she know, has a conversation with him. She's she's apologetic for what she did. Yeah, and again, some more great writing here. Like, is it too late to apologize? Never. Never. Yeah, Hugo Weaving's delivery of that is just that one word is so powerful for me. It's like, are you going to kill me now? I killed you 10 minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she even leaves the diary there for them all. And even, and and you know, Sutler, he's, he's, he sees that. He's like, it's all bullshit. Like anyone, anyone who reads that, it like, they're, they're done. Like it's all. He says V could have left it there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He's just spinning all these words to, you know, cover his own ass. But of course, Finch is going to go read. He's the, you know, he needs to investigate this more. He needs to find out what's going on. Yeah, and, and we get the big flashback we- to the detention center. Yeah, which is basically V's origin story here. Yeah, yeah, Locked and up her- in room V. Yeah, and even yeah, which is a nice reveal. But her yeah. sort of rationale for what she's doing was pretty weak. I was expecting something to be worse, but she's, you know, she's not exactly sympathetic to the people she's experimenting on. No. It's more of a, uh, I'm sorry for what I did, you know, long way down the line. Yeah. 
and yeah, we see Finch. He's gone through all these uh, articles about these big disasters that have happened along the way. Epidemics. Yep. And he has a conversation with the other guy about who they think are actually doing this, whether or not it's terrorists or the government. Yeah, and the but the way he asks this question, the way he sets it up, he has this big long story about you know I want to ask you a question, but. I don't want you to answer anything. Is just, you know, would you want to know if it was your own government who did it? It's very impactful. It is very impactful. I, I did read up that a lot of this stuff was kind of playing a little role to the American government at the time as well and all their, all their cover-ups and everything. At what time? 2020? This was done in 2006. So, it's predicting the future. <laughs> Tell me about it. I don't know. That little scrambler device that they were using, you, you see that little thing? The reading light. Yeah, it's a reading light. <laughs> they put a red bulb on it to make it look more high tech. <laughs> what do you think of this mock-up TV show so that he dumb. makes here? It's, it's just ridiculous. Like, Dietrich is not that dumb. He is right entrenched in this in this world of suppression, and he. I, I don't understand how he thinks he would get away with a slap on the wrist. It's it's it blows my mind. Yeah, it was incredibly dumb. Like you were saying, like. I'm, you know, I'm the number one TV personality. What are they going to do? Like, get rid of me? It's like, yes, that's exactly what they're going to do. Why would you do this? It's just stupid. It's pretty funny. The reveal of the the <laughs> men with shotguns forcing the audience to applaud Sutler. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> even even how he says that, you know, Sutler likes a warm glass of milk at night, and then we cut to like the arm of Sutler <laughs> holding a milk glass, watching it. Yeah, it's great. Fantastic. Yeah, but it must be very traumatic for Evie to see basically the same position of what happened with her mum when she was younger, under the bed, black bag over the head. That'd be awful. But she also gets kidnapped, doesn't she? She does. She does. And yeah, this this bit's annoying because yes, this person's in the dark. So hold on. So this bit where it's Creedy's voice, Creedy's silhouette, you thought immediately, oh, that's V. No, I heard V's voice. When? There's one of the times where he's like, all you have to do is just say just, just say one name. Like, all you have to do is just give it up. It's just one word. It, there were certain points where I heard Hugo Weaving's voice. And I already knew this, obviously, but listening for it, I can hear Hugo Weaving's voice. Yeah. He's got a very distinct voice. But yeah, but I don't there know. There are times I don't know, I don't know, it's not I don't, Weaving's voice. I don't know Creedy's voice, though. So when I hear Hugo Weaving's voice, I know it's him. But you are aware that it's not always Hugo Weaving's voice. Yes, but when I hear Hugo Weaving's voice, I know that it's V, so I know he's part of it. So I actually read that in the graphic novel, V, you know, makes this device to change his voice, you know, wears disguises to change his appearance, etc., etc., which I wish they'd, you know, delved into a little, at least mention it, because otherwise, like, it is the actor who is playing, you know, Creedy here with no explanation of how this has happened. They should have had Hugo Weaving just do his Australian accent to cover it up. <laughs> right, Evie, tell us what you know, all right? I don't think that's how Hugo Weaving sounds. I don't think that's how anyone sounds, to be honest. <laughs> that's just the, the, the brilliance of my impersonation. I can sound like no one. So this head shave bit, obviously this is you know real, this wasn't fake. Portman was apparently uh, looking forward to getting a head shaved. Yep, all done in one take. They used three different cameras for the scene. Problem is, the gloves that the person has on are actually see-through gloves, and the hands are not red. No, because the person who was doing it was a professional hairdresser. Why but couldn't it- they just put her in makeup? Yeah. Yeah, but she's uh, in the prison, basically that little prison there. Even the rat doesn't like the food. That's how bad it is. Yep, but there's a hole in the wall and she gets her first note here. From Valerie. 
Yeah, and this flashback's awesome, obviously. Yeah, nah, it's great. Nice story. Like it here. Nice story. <laughs> I, it's an interesting Yeah, it's take. told well. It's told well. I honestly couldn't remember if it was true or not and whether okay. or not it was V just trying to encourage her, I guess. No, okay. I thought it was pretty obvious that, you know, she was experiencing what he experienced. How long is she in there for? Do we know? I don't know. No. Oh, okay. I don't think they say. Nobody tries all he can to basically break her. She doesn't. She 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 keeps her lips shut. Do you yeah. Think, do you think he goes a, a bit too far here? I mean, so he, she said to him earlier that she's always afraid. She wishes she wasn't always afraid. And he does what he does to her. And now she's not afraid anymore. So does he go too far? It depends. Like, did he achieve mm. what he set out to achieve? Yes. Is Evie a different and arguably better person because of it? Yes. Do the ends justify the means? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's pretty rough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so much so that she wants to leave. She can't She can't be there with him. She's got to get out of there. He's just done too much Too much pain to her. Yeah, and this this whole confrontation between V and Evie here, this is my... Excellent! Are you talking about when, like, in the rain? I'm talking both. So, her oh, argument... Okay, because... Can I just can I just say I, I wanted it. to mention the rain because excellent. Yeah, I d- I just think Natalie Portman's performance here is really really strong. Um, when when she's you know confronting him and said you tortured me, you tortured me. That's, that's, <laughs> that second hit that she does on it, like her voice just yeah. breaks so much. Uh, and even V trying to play victim here, saying like, do you know how hard it was for me? <laughs> like fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> I, I love the parallels of their story as well here. Like yep. when you get, especially when they're up on the rooftop with her in the rain, like it's like the um, rebirth for her as well. When you have, like I said before, you have V as like a phoenix rising from the ashes and you have her reborn as this new person and the, the parallels and, and like the, the editing tricks that they do and the techniques here where they go back and forth between both of them and, and the score as well that was going on here. I thought this, this whole combination here was, was great. Yep, no argument from me. It's fantastic. But next meeting here with Sutler, essentially just keep doing what you're doing. Put the fear in everyone. Radio, TV, everything. Just make everyone fearful. That's essentially all they have going is just make everyone scared. Yeah, well, it keeps everyone in line, doesn't it? That's right. Which, you know, you look at the front page of any newspaper these days. It is as as fear-mongering as you can get. Mm Mm-hmm. That's why I try not to look at it. Because you get afraid? I do. I look at that that newspaper. Ah! What do you think of V dressing up in his little disguise here with his with his beard? Rookwood. Yes. Yeah, that's good. Who did? I could I couldn't work out who did Finch think they were meeting. Like to them, who is Rookwood? I'm not sure. Yeah, it, it sort of hap- it happened so quick. The scene before hmm. they meet, where they set up this Rookwood character, I was like, oh, missed it. And they didn't really do their research too well because, like, isn't it the next scene they find out? Oh, he's been dead for 20 years. Like, oh my god, we had him. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, but we're basically being told here that Creedy's using all these disasters to gain control of the government. Like, that's essentially what we suspected anyway, that it wasn't the terrorists that did all this stuff. It is the government trying to control everyone by, you know, all the fear-mongering and doing all this stuff. So, to say, so, you know, uh, the government here, we're in, like, not saying we're in control, but in, like, the positive way. Like, all this stuff that's happening, you've got to come to us. We're, you know, we're, we, know what's, we know what to do. You've you got nothing to worry about with us. But Mastermind yeah. V here st- starting to pit the uh, Sutler against Creedy. Yeah, this is this is smart because he can kill yeah. Creedy immediately here. But 
Yeah. I feel like V has no access to Sutler, where he, mm-hmm. he knows that Creedy would have organised something here. So, th- that was very clever. Yeah, he's essentially telling Creedy that if this all goes south, which is like, which essentially it will, who's going to be the fall guy? It's going to be Creedy. Sutler's going to be in his, you know, private area wherever he is with his big giant face on the TV and Sutler's going to take the fall. Sorry, uh, Creedy's going to take the fall. And yeah, he gets it in his mind that you don't want that. You know, you need to get this sorted. He gives him the, like the idea. He doesn't necessarily tell him the idea. He he sort of makes him believe that it was his idea. Yeah, definitely a bit of flattery here. You know, a man as smart as you has a plan. Yeah. But uh, we're, we're certainly coming towards the climax of the film here. We get uh, we see V sending the masks out to everyone. And we get mm-hmm. this, great, this great monologue again by Finch here about basically about chaos about how the the society is going to fall apart now and we see we see the girl get shot by one of the fingermen yeah that was rough this is this whole thing here about yeah it, like putting all the masks on causing chaos it's it really it it just got me thinking it's it's the joker before the joker the joker before the joker yeah like the phoenix movie or do you mean just the character of the joker yeah, I'm talking like you're talking like your Heath Ledger and your Joaquin Phoenix, but this was done several years before that. Okay, sure. I mean, the character of the Joker is obviously older than V. Yeah, but is is in any of those comics, whatever, does the Joker do anything like this where comics, he causes whatever comics, <laughs> comics, whatever? That's the disdain you have. <laughs> <laughs> does the Joker ever do anything like this? Like he, you know, he causes the chaos. He gets everyone to rise up. Is anything like that? Yeah, there's lots of rising up. Well, Daniel, in arti- article, in, <laughs> in, in episode, issue. what do you issue. call them? Issue, there issue. you go. <laughs> in issue 617 of, you know, DC versus DC, I don't fucking know. Wow, just stop. <laughs> I can't pull off the nerd culture, okay? That's all you. Not sure it is, but next to you it certainly is. But nah, we get the dominoes here as well. Took a long time to set up those dominoes, apparently, Hendo. How many hours, Dean? 200 hours. 22,000 dominoes. That's insane. It's a lot. Yeah. But like yep. you mentioned, the, the little girl gets shot earlier earlier in the movie, and that just causes massive riots. You could say it's a domino effect. You could say that this parallels 2020. Yeah, this movie hits uh, a bit too close to home these days now, doesn't it? Certainly does. There's a, there's a lot to it here. But they need a dance. EVMV, there's always time for a dance. Yes, because a revolution without dancing is a revolution not worth having. <laughs> Such a charmer, our V. There's a bit more uh, conflict and confrontation here between Sutler and Creedy, essentially saying that if... Uh, exactly what V pointed out. Sutler's telling him if, if V succeeds and everything goes to shit, Creedy will be the one to take the fall. Yeah, he says that he'll expect to be reading Creedy's resignation the following morning instead of the paper. Surely you'd you'd go harder than that. Surely you'd be like... <laughs> I would expect to be, you know, seeing your severed head on my desk instead of a newspaper. Just his resignation. Ooh, he lost his job. Like, <laughs> surely, surely he'd be reading in the newspaper the next morning that the House of Parliament blew up. Yes. Yeah, you'd think that that would be one of the the bigger news stories of the day. Yeah, hey, but if he's controlling all the news, what are they going to make it another? Oh, the building was old. Just going to fall down. Oh, no, I don't uh, care. They just more- need to say something. <laughs> Yeah, that'll be the little story in the corner. Because if he controls the paper, that's how it'll be. In the little corner, House of Parliament fell down. Big, big topic. Creedy retires. Creedy resigns. <laughs> now, I did like the V and EV dance here. Uh, you know, and I like that. 
I like that she wants to see under the mask and he just shuts it down, but not in like a, you know, an aggressive way. He's just saying like, whatever face is there, that's not me, you know, any more than I am the bones and flesh. So, it's good. I like that we never see his face. Like, we know what Hugo Weaving looks like. We don't need to see some red burned up version of it. Much more- he mentions the bones and flesh under the mask here. He also says it later on when he's standing in front of Creedy and his men saying with about the idea, the the, uh, the notion of an idea, there's more than bones and, and skin under this mask. Brings it back. It's really good. Absolutely. But we find out the train is ready to go filled with explosives. And it's not V's decision. It's Evie's. She's going yeah, to carry you- it on for him. Yeah, it's a nice touch because she'll be taking, you know, taking the train into the next stage of the world, I guess. Yeah, it was 10 years of clearing tracks and laying his own. Oh, there 10 you years. Go. Not a crazy man. He, 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 Like you said before, he's planned this whole thing out. He knows exactly what, what's going to happen. He's basically telling her, like, I'll, I'm probably not going to be here anytime soon. So you need to rise up with everyone here. It's a, like a new dawn for a new day type deal. And yeah, there's a nice little you know, intimate kiss on the mask. Yeah, lucky Bringing mask. it back to the Monte Cristo. I have no tree waiting for me. Bringing it back to Monte Cristo. How so? At the end of the film with the tree, she says there is a tree for, for V waiting for him, saying there is hope for him. Like, he thinks there's no hope for him anymore. And you, you bring it back to Monte Cristo at the end of that film when those two are together at the tree. You've lost me. I'm not a big uh, Count of Monte Cristo fan. They mentioned it earlier on when they're sitting there watching the, the movie together. Of course. Mercedes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, dear. Have you seen any version of that film? I don't think I have. I definitely saw the Guy Pierce version. Is there a Guy Pierce version? No, I just made that up. You could have. I would have no idea. Yes, there's a Guy Pierce version. Is he the Count of Monte Cristo? I have no idea. <laughs> I would <laughs> I seen? would assume so. <laughs> you don't even know who the Count of Monte Cristo is. <laughs> no. <laughs> that was no, a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> hey, for you, it could have been a week ago. So V meets with Creedy and his men under the railway here. I didn't. I, I didn't remember that Creedy kept his side of the deal here. I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't know if that was going to be subtle under the under the black bag or not. It was. It was the Elephant Man himself, Hendo. Very interesting correlation to how we see Sutler on a TV screen, like how he's presented in a media sense, like big, powerful, almighty. Yet the only time we see him properly is meek and scared. And does he say anything? I think he says, oh, no. Yeah, like he's, yeah, completely the opposite of the image we have yeah. of him. It's like the, uh, I guess, the wizard in The Wizard of Oz. Pay no attention to that man under the black bag. <laughs> yeah, very good. <laughs> uh, what'd you make of this big Matrix-style fight scene here? Uh, yeah, the Wachowskis have got to get some Matrix in there, don't they? It's okay. I, mean, I, I liked it. It's it's not bad, but it's not a, like, it's not, a, for me, it's not a big standout of this film. I think the... Like the relationship between Evie and V, and basically the the way V outsmarts everyone throughout this whole film is a lot better than this. This not Matrix, not Matrix ripoff. It's just it's just a slow mo action scene. Yeah, it's okay. Apparently, it was marketed as an action film from you know the makers yeah. of the Matrix. Yeah, which- and they probably showed this scene a lot, whipping Eddie's knives. And- yeah, for sure. Like this yeah. would have been ninety percent of the trailer for sure. <laughs> Apparently, how they did this scene was they had the stuntman move in slow motion 
while David Leach, who was the stunt double for uh, Hugo Weaving, he moved in real time, making it seem as if he was moving much faster than the Fingerman. It was actually shot at 60 frames per second to slow them down even further. Hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I like it. I do like it. The blood's very vibrant, which is nice. Yeah, but Sutler's dead. Creedy's dead here. Everything the V has said has come to fruition. Everyone in them in their V mask rallying towards the House of Parliament, and because and, and because the the guards are standing there, they've got no orders. Sutler and Creedy haven't said anything, so they just they go stand down, and they just all. Walk. I didn't know what was going to happen here. Once they stood down, like, are they going to like are the are they all just going to like start a fight? No, they just walk right past them. They just cruise on past them. Like, okay, civil. That's what that's what could happen, Hendo, in real life. Yeah, but Evie's ready to take off in the train here, but Finch shows up. What do you make of Finch here? Like, just in general through the film, I guess. I mean, he's fine. He's he's good for this this movie. Yeah, no, I like him. What do you mean? You're being so negative on him. I don't like I, this. I asked you a question. I don't like Answer the him. question, joke. I don't like this. Yeah, good one. I don't like uh, Stephen Rhea, whatever his name is, in Interview with a Vampire. He annoys me in that. Who is he in that? He's one of the vampires. I mean, that makes perfect sense. I feel like he's... I haven't, really, haven't really narrowed the field down, though. He's around the Banderas era of the film. Okay. I mean, I, you got me to watch that, like, a couple of years ago now. I don't remember. Do you know him from anything else? Nah. Oh, The Crying Game, actually. He's the main character. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that either. Surprising. Before we get Finch, though, we do get another encounter between E, V, and V. He comes back to her all bloody. Yeah. And says he fell in love with her. And she loves him back. It's a nice touching moment for them to end on with each other. Yeah. But Evie with Finch, she's very strong, very powerful here. You know, she's confident. There's no fear in her. She's ready to do what's necessary. But this country needs more than a building right now. Needs hope. And hope is a good thing. Hope will set you free. And no good thing ever dies. (laughs) Yeah, but Finch is, uh, he wants to help. He's with her now. Reluctantly, he wants to help. Reluctantly, like he's not being pressured to do it. All he's doing is not shooting her. He could just drag her off the train. Eh, but we get our final little, you know, goodbye speech from Evie, you know, spoken over all the masks being taken off as the building blows up. Did you notice it- anyone under these masks? Yeah, obviously. Yeah, I saw Stephen Fry and I'm like, Hang on. There's also did, did Valerie, he, Ruth. Yeah, did he die? I, I got I saw, I got so confused. I'm like, wait apparently, a minute, I thought he died. <laughs> apparently Hugo Weaving is one of the people as well, but yeah. I didn't actually notice that. What did you make of that? You didn't like it? I I felt it was a bit sloppy. Like, I understood it after the fact that, yeah, it's just like the memory of these people will live on. They're here like to carry out the name of V and, and to rally with everyone. Like, these are the people that have died for this cause. But at the time, I saw Stephen Fry, I'm like, holy shit, did he survive? What is he there for? I got confused. Uh, only you, only you would think that. <laughs> what? I, seriously, I looked at it and I'm like, "That's fucking Stephen Fry." And I was, I was ready to come into this podcast going, "Dude, I'm telling you, Stephen Fry was in there." And you're like, "No, he wasn't. He died." I'm like, "I'm gonna fucking screenshot for you. I'll show you. I'll show you he was there." Yeah, it yeah. made more sense after the fact. No, nah, I thought it was good. Yeah, but that's it. Just ends. They blow it up. Everyone's there. That's it. Yeah. Any last words? All right, Dean. What's your final thoughts on V for Vendetta? Yeah, I've seen this film quite a few times, uh, and it's such an easy watch. Like, it's not a short film. It's, what is it, nearly two and a half hours long? Yeah, be close to it. Uh, but it's so it's so well written. There's so much, you know, witty dialogue. There's so much clever, clever writing here. And the script is so tight. Like, honestly, the script is one of the better things about this. Visually, it's, it's obviously stunning. The actual style and design of V is... Amazing, like the Guy Fawkes mask is great. His dorky 
wig, his top hat, all that stuff's great. And there's so many like great shots as well. Like when he's jumping over the the building before he uh, kills uh, the the priest. Is that Lilliman? Um, that shot there yes. is amazing. I love that. But the score, whilst it's not memorable really in any way, it's not iconic. I feel like when you watch the film, it does perfectly fit into the film. Um, I did quite like that. But the biggest thing is probably the character development here from Evie and what she goes through. I think it's a stunning performance from Portman. And yeah, I, I love this movie. This for me undoubtedly is a amazing, amazing, incredible, outstanding. How about you, Hendo? This is the second time I've seen this film. I really, really enjoyed it. I think it is a very smartly written film. It is precise in its nature. The character of V, I think, is very entertaining. He is very three dimensional. Like he's not simply a person that is just outright you support this guy like the stuff some of the stuff he does in this film you can see the side of people who err on what he's doing is wrong that's what that's what i really like about this character is that not everyone will think of this guy as a hero i think the performance from hugo weaving is fantastic i feel like natalie portman is good in this film i don't think it's her best performance by far but I think she really puts in a, a great performance with what she's got here. The chemistry between these two and the scenes when those two are interacting, I think, is solid. I generally have nothing negative to say about this film, but I don't have a lot of things that are just, wow, this this film is just fantastic. This is really a very, like a, an enjoyable film that I got a lot of good stuff out of that I'm not going to rush out and see anytime soon again. It's never been one of those films that... I am dying to see again. It's one of those films that I remember all the time. The first time I watched it, I, I didn't really remember too much from it. It never, it didn't stand out for me that much. That being said, I really, really enjoyed the film and a lot of stuff involved with this film, but there's just nothing that gave me that wow factor. So I give it a four stars. Fair enough. I was the best because the crowd loved me. All right, where is this five-star banger sitting for you, mate? All right, it's probably going to be on the lower... Uh, tier five star films I've got here currently. So let's look at, yeah, let's start at The Terminator, which I think is my lowest ranked five star film at the moment at number 20. Uh, it is, for me, it is better than The Terminator. Uh, next up, we're up against The Lion King, which is great. I mean, it's, it's hard because all these movies are so amazing, but I like V better than Lion King. Next up, Casino. Uh, yeah. I'll take V for Vendetta over Casino. Uh, then it comes up against Sansa Lambs. I think that's where it's going to stop for me. I'm going to put it at number 18 in between Sansa Lambs and Casino. Very good. All right, I'm going to start at the bottom of my four-star films here, and we're going to start it off with Django Unchained. Django! And I think this is better than Django Unchained. Then we move up to Some Like It Hot, and this is better than that film up ahead to Vertigo, and I also think this is better than Vertigo. And then we hit Once Upon a Time in America, and I think this is better than that film too. Then we get up to the Grand Budapest Hotel, and that's where it's going to stop for me. So, V for Vendetta is my new number 45. All right. That's probably one of the biggest discrepancies we've had in a while, I would say. I think the biggest we have is Once Upon a Time in America. Not Rocky? No, your number one to my number 45. To, uh, to my, oh, actually, I think Rocky it is. It might be like my number, what is it? Oh, maybe not like number five or six to your 50 or something. I don't know what you've got. 50? 
It's one of those two. Fair enough. Hey, listeners, we just want to take a quick second here to thank you for taking the time out of your day to come and listen to us banter on about movies and all things movie-related. Yeah, it really does mean a lot to the both of us. We're always looking to improve our show and get our name out there, and there's a couple of ways you can help us. Yeah, one of the easiest ways is to just get the word of mouth out there. Let your family and friends know about the show and where they can find us, which is pretty much everywhere. Places like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and of course, Podbean. We're very thankful to Podbean for taking on our podcast. Yeah, definitely. It's a great hosting site with a great app to go with it. Yeah, what I like about Podbean's app is you can actually comment on the episode you're listening to and it goes straight to us and we can reply back immediately. We've also opened up a new little merch store over on Public. We've got uh, a couple of t-shirts and hoodies and mugs and all that good stuff for sale. So if you're at all interested in getting a little bit of Movie Journey sweet, sweet merch, head on over there and see if anything tickles your fancy. Amazing! And if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can do so over on Twitter. Hendo controls our main handle at the Movie Journey and I I am at Dean's 250 Journey. You can also check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the movie journey. Our letterbox pages where we keep our film diaries up to date. I am at letterboxd.com slash Dino underscore J88. Really rolls off the tongue. And you can find Hendo at letterbox.com slash Hendo. And we also have a new Facebook discussion group. Yeah, a little listener community going on over there. Yeah, head on over, join up. We'd love for you to be a part of the discussion. Exactly. Another way to help us out is to leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes for us. Or if you're really loving the show and want more, why not check out our Patreon, where we post another weekly show, breaking down films not on the IMDb Top 250 list. Yeah, we've got over 70 episodes over there, including such classic film series like the Die Hard series, X-Men series, Mission Impossible series, as well as some notable film directors such as Wes Anderson, Edgar Wright, and even Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, that's right. There's also tons of benefits over there. Early access to our main show, patron-only polls that we put out on the regular. Yeah, exactly. You can even shape the show the way you want to by telling us what films you would like us to break down. So what's coming up this week, mate? Well, Dean, it's another patron-requested review, and it comes to us from our awesome patron, David Powell, and he has selected The Sultan Sea. Yeah, bit of a... Uh, I know, it's an odd film. I know the cover. Don't remember I, the film. I, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. Mr. Val Kilmer's in it, I believe. Hmm. I don't know if that's given me uh, good vibes. I mean, what's your favourite Val Kilmer movie other than, obviously, Batman Forever? Heat. Yeah, Heat's good. Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> I forgot about Heat. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but David Powell, he's he's put in some pretty good picks before, so I feel like he's going he's gonna to give it the goods this time too. Absolutely. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, head on over to patreon.com slash themoviejourney and check out the myriad of rewards and benefits we have to offer. All right, mate, it's time for... We may still have mail. Mail, mail, mail. Here it is. And this could be it. Oh. And just the one review for V for Vendetta this week. No Twitter, no Facebook, no Patreon. No one wanted to give a review. No love for V for Vendetta. No, just from the man who picked it. I saw V for Vendetta at the pictures and subsequently rewatched it plenty of times in the few years after, but it's been at least 10 years since I've seen it before today. I've actually been meaning to rewatch this for the past five years, but just never really got into the mood. When deciding on what f- film for the movie journey to break down, I picked it because I was well overdue for a rewatch and the social commentary seemed appropriate given 2020 world events. Ha! Mm, Told you, Hendo. There you go. Wasn't a coincidence. 
I always liked this movie. My last rating was 9 out of 10, but after today's rewatch, I'm going the banger. It shares a lot of similarities with comic book movies, being based on a graphic novel and such, but I think this might be most comparable to the Nolan Batman films for its dark themes and character-driven spectacle. I love the character of V. He looks so awesome. In fact, so much of the imagery in the film is downright amazing. It literally blows you away at times. I get so pumped when I watch certain scenes in the film. It really excites you. You want justice for the people, and you want to see the corrupt leaders of the nation be destroyed. At times, V for Vendetta feels like Kill Bill, how he goes along picking off all the untouchable people. It's just so satisfying to see them get justice. Natalie Portman is also amazing and brings the emotional dimension to the movie. I really like the detective played by Stephen Rea too. Oh, and of course, who could forget Stephen Fry, the man's a living legend. What? What from? (laughs) Where do you know him from, Shane? (laughs) Overall, just an awesome big budget extravaganza. The dialogue is so catchy and humorous. I doubt it will be so long before I revisit this film again. Five stars. Damn. There you well, have I'm it. Shane. Good review this week, Shane. As opposed to his last one. What was his last one? Dark Knight. What did he give that? Three stars? <laughs> it was a two, wasn't it? <laughs> all right, we've got a couple more polls here about which films we've done breakdowns on should be in the top 250 films of all time. Let's take a look at Sherlock Jr. And we have 86.5% say no. Not surprising. What about Toy Story 3? Uh, I think I said no. 57% say no. Good. And our breakdown for today, V for Vendetta. What do you think of this one? I think yes, but I think most people will say no. Probably a lot will say no. Correct. 75% say no. Yeah. Oh, can't win them all. All right, mate, let's get into... Answer my question! The question, jerk! Where we asked you, what is your favourite Natalie Portman performance? Performance, not film. Let's look at some responses over on Twitter from Renegade. Evie in V for Vendetta. Tony says Brothers. Mm, I saw Brothers really long time ago. Don't remember too much about the film. Have you seen Brothers? Never even heard of it. Really? Uh, was it Jake Gyllenhaal and Tobey Maguire? It's not like one of them's a war, war veteran. Yeah, it's must be forgotten in the annals, I guess. Yeah. For Nerds by Nerds podcast, says Leon the Professional. Ronnie Casol says Black Swan. Innovation Festival says D for Door. What is that film? I have no idea. Quick search for D for Door shows zero results. I think Innovation Festival's having a go at us here. Bit of a mug. Bit of a mug. Yeah. I think <laughs> Who he's says got that? His, I think he's telling us a bit of porky pies here. <laughs> okay. Maybe it's a quote from one of her movies. What, Sesame Street? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. Podcast HQ says Closer. Ooh. Jeffrey Care says Jackie. You a big Jackie fan there, Dean? No. My <laughs> anime right. podcast says Leon the Professional. Jamie Riccardi says Leon the Professional as well. And lastly here on Twitter from LaFronda Stum, Black Swan. All right, thank you very much, everyone, for putting in a response there. But, Dean, let's get to our top five Natalie Portman performances. And as usual, we'll kick it off with you. What is your number five? Annihilation. Mm, not a bad movie. I struggled mm. with the fifth spot here. Yeah, I didn't put Annihilation on my list. Even though it's a great film, I didn't really rate Portman's performance in it. So my number five is Garden State. Ah, yes, Garden State. My number four is Leon. Nice, nice, nice. I do like that film. My number four is 
Today's breakdown, V for Vendetta. My number three is V for Vendetta. Ooh, okay. Well, my number three is Black Swan. My number two is Black Swan. Stop copying me. My number two is Leon the Professional. And my number one is And my number one. Closer. Of course, we have the same number one as bloody usual. She's really not in that many movies, really, when you take out Star Wars and MCU films. Yeah, you gotta, you got you to gotta focus in on those uh, Natalie Portman-driven movies to, to get some good performances. I mean, you can't really go, oh, yeah, her, her role in Thor was just outstanding, just top-notch performance there. It's like, no, it's Closer. And if you haven't seen Closer, you got to watch Closer. Yeah, amazing film. But looking at our top five joint list here, we have from number five to one, Garden State, Beef Vendetta, Leon the Professional, Black Swan, and Closer. Now let's take a look at our competition here. Our runner-up this week is Sam from the Movie Reviews and 20 Qs podcast. And he has from five to one, Closer, V for Vendetta, Leon the Professional, Annihilation, and Black Swan, with the caveat of movie's average, but she's not. So Sam got four out of five correct here with one honorable mention. But our winner seems fitting once again that the person who wins this is the patron who picked it. Brother Shane takes it down with five for five. Starting from number five, Leon the Professional, V for Vendetta, Garden State, Black Swan, and Closer. So smashed it. Absolutely smashed it. Yeah, three in the exact right spot as well. Yeah, he's done very, very well. So well done, Brother Shane. We can easily get in contact with you and get you some sweet, sweet merch. We're both masters. Who won? How did it end? All right, Dean, it's time to find out the results of our Pod v Pod 39 blind movie draft against Topher from We Watched a Thing in our draft on Science Gone Wrong Films. Now, Topher was team one, and he had Jurassic Park, 2001 A Space Odyssey, The Fly, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, and Blade Runner. And we were team two, and we had Back to the Future, A Clockwork Orange, Spider-Man 2, Terminator, and The Matrix. Okay, let's take a look at some responses to this draft. First one from Drew at The Real Feels Podcast. Man, is this really a competition? Team, we watched a thing all the way. The cinema guys say, team, we watched a thing, crushed this. Louis Ream says, team, we watched a thing. Fun trivia, the HAL computer in 2001 Space Odyssey is IBM going back one letter. Everything Racing Podcast says, blimey, this is a tough one. Team Movie Journey just edges it for me. Netflix and Swill says, Team We Watched a Thing has 2001 and Blade Runner 2 Snorefest. So congrats, Team Movie Journey. Movie reviews in 20 Qs say, wow. Team We Watched a Thing, wow. I think that's a positive wow. Julio the Contrarian says, I am torn because they're all great picks, but Team Movie Journey has the movie I like the most, Spider-Man 2, and Team We Watched a Thing has the movie I like the least, 2001. So, Team Movie Journey. Next up from Hunkrio, Team We Watched a Thing for 2001, Blade Runner and Jurassic Park, which is the ultimate science gone wrong movie. I don't disagree. That's why it was picked first. Paul at the Countdown Podcast says, Team We Watched a Thing, but Team Movie Journey made a race for it towards the end. Be The Solution says, It's hard not voting for The Matrix, but Team Movie Journey has the strongest lineup. Iani Banda says, Team We Watched a Thing, not even close. LaFronda Stum says, Team We Watched a Thing. Whiting Sutter says, Team Movie Journey, I will always pick a list with Back to the Future on it. The Roughhouse Podhausen says, I had to think on this one more than any other draft I've seen. Despite Team We Watched a Thing's choosing Jurassic Jurassic Park. (laughs) 
Despite team, we watched a thing choosing Jurassic Park and T2, two of my all-time favourites. They're dragged down by 2001 and The Fly. I think team movie journey's inspired pick of Spider-Man 2 helped sway me their way. Having the Matrix and Clockwork helped. Oh, there you go. Joe Stevenson says, Begrudgingly, team movie journey on the basis I still haven't seen 2001. LJ Human says, What the heck sort of draft was this? Did Team We Watched a Thing get the first five picks? Come How on. How dare you? Come on. Come on, Luke. Ryan Altieri simply goes for Team We Watched a Thing. Pied to comic, Sir John says, Hands down, Team We Watched a Thing. Most of those flicks fully engage your description. See, I should have put, I definitely should have put on Tech Gone Wrong as well. <laughs> Maybe we would have got a vote or two extra. Ronaldo Sosa says, Team Movie Journey just for a Clockwork Orange. Now, thank you very much, everyone, for your responses. But in the end... Topher takes it down for We Watch The Thing. 64% for that team, while we get a 36%. So, well done, mate. You win a Pod V Pod 39. You redeem your We Watch The Thing podcast. You can lord it over Billy for as long as you please. Yeah, I'm sure B Dizzle will uh, be losing sleep at night over this. There's this tournament. Let the tournament all right, Dean, it's round five of our Tournament of Champions. Let's take a look at the four matches here. We've got Pulp Fiction versus The Dark Knight. Next up, we have A New Hope versus 12 Angry Men. Got another Star Wars film here, Empire Strikes Back versus Casablanca. And lastly, for this round, Inception versus Psycho. Okay, as usual, a bunch of awesome matches there. Be interesting to see who's going to take the lead in the tipping competition coming up. So, what's next? All right, Dean, it's your turn to pick the next breakdown. What are you going for, my friend? All right, I wanted to go something a bit lighter than what we have done recently. So I went with uh, Hayao Miyazaki's Howl's Moving Castle. Ooh, going back to Miyazaki so soon. What was the last one we did? My Neighbor Totoro. That was ages ago, Hendo. It was this year. Just because 2020 has been an absolute dumpster fire doesn't mean... My Neighbor Totoro was so long ago. Come on, give it the, give it a bit of respect, would you? I mean, we're in the back half of the year now. It's, it's, you know. it's just ticked over, okay? <laughs> <laughs> We've still got six more months of this shit. Yeah, I, I love how people think that magically by next year, things will be back to, uh, I mean, to yeah. shit. I don't know. Nah, I don't January, know. Soon, as soon as the ball drops, January 1st, 21, 2021, boom. It's, it's all good. It's all back to normal. COVID's gone. <laughs> yeah, it just wipes out. All right, that is going to be our next breakdown. So thank you very much, listeners, for checking out the episode, and we will see you next week for Howl's Moving Castle. Bye. Bye.